Hi, it's Lou. You know, the good-looking one with a full head of lush hair? I'm taking a break from filling DM Scott's shampoo bottle with Nair. To tell you about our new website, thedungeonmastersdojo.com. There, you'll find a host of awesome things, including a picture of me. Every third Friday of the month, a new blog post related to gaming comes out. Interested in getting caught up on the podcast episodes? You'll find those on the website, too, as well as other interesting information. Head on over to thedungeonmastersdojo.com and pay us a visit. Send us a message, too. We'd love to hear from you. Now, if you excuse me, I have to take the batteries out of DM Bill's hearing aid. See you next time in the dojo. Support the Dungeon Masters Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly, we want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is by buying the DMD a beer so we can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us upgrade and replace equipment. Head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the DMD and buy us a beer or three or five. Don't forget to say something nice or mean. We don't care. You're buying us a beer. Now on to this week's episode. Welcome back, students of the dojo. This week, we're continuing our look at Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. And today, we're looking at the Paladin with his new features and subclasses. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Hey, Scott. Hey, Bill. How's it going? Fantastic. Polishing my shield and and buffing my holy symbol. We're talking paladins. From Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. I am, Lou, Lou feels about paladins like I feel about psionics. Overrated. <laughs> I, I love the new paladins. I love everything about the paladins of 5th edition. Having survived the dark years of AD&D 2.0 and 2.5. I guess because I'm in 2.5, I could never make it as a paladin. I really... Yeah, no shit. Yeah, you, <laughs> no chance in hell. <laughs> First encounter. Oop, lost all my powers. Yep. <laughs> Walking out the door to get the newspaper in the morning, and your powers are stripped. Paper's not on my stoop. It's on the front lawn. Go beat up the kid that delivered the paper. Yep, there you go. Yep. You're just a glorified cleric. If that. If that. <laughs> a shitty fighter. Exactly. Henceforth. <laughs> Well, why don't you lead us on to some? Oh, yes. Newfound glory of yours. Oh, boy. The Paladin from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. If you like Captain America, you're going to love these Paladins. And who doesn't like Captain America? Apparently, Lou. And by the way, the new Captain America is a punk. <laughs> oh, you mean um, uh, John Walker? Yeah, he's a U.S. agent. He's actually not Captain America. He's a U.S. agent, John Walker. That's not a punk. He's very, he, he, You see what he did to... One of those shield smashers or flag smashers, I should say. Yeah. He is a punk because uh, in the comic books, the original Captain America handed his ass to him and took back the mantle of Captain America. So he's a punk. 
but we're not talking about the years of old. We're talking about Tasha's called into everything right now. So let's get and on the it. paladins. <laughs> All right. So you get um, you get some optional class features as you do with anything in this book, right? Yep. You get additional paladin spells, of course. So um, the second level paladin feature, um, the you get a bunch of bunch of extra spells that are are optional, of course. So you get gentle repose, prayer of healing, warding bond at second level, third level spirit shroud, and at fifth level summon celestial. Just point out the uh, the third and fifth level spirit shroud and summon celestial come out of Xanathar's actually. Yes, yeah, but uh, yeah, the, the second level are nice. Um, additional spells are cool. Prayer of healing is good. Warding bond is good. Gentle yep. repose, you know, depending on your style of of paladin. Yes. Uh, spirit Shroud is pretty badass. Yeah. Yep. So then you go on to your fighting styles at second level. Uh, when you choose a fighting style, the following styles are added to your list of options. You have Blessed Warrior. You learn two cantrips of your choice from the Cleric Spell List. They count as Paladin spells for you, and Charisma is your spellcasting ability for these. Whenever you gain a level in this class, you can replace one of these cantrips with another cantrip from the Cleric Spell List. A common theme with this book. Yes. Yeah. And then you go to blind fighting. Uh, you have blind sight within a range of 10 feet. Within that range, you can effectively see anything that isn't totally, isn't totally behind cover. Uh, even if you're blinded or in darkness, moreover, you can see an invisible creature within that range unless the creature successfully hides from you. And most things that are invisible aren't hiding from you. They think they're already hidden. Right, because they're invisible. Right. So that's the blind fighting one could be interesting. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think that... That that could be, you know, as far as um, as far as running an encounter, right, where you have this this paladin that can see invisible creatures, you know, how would you how would you approach this? Not just I can see them because I have blind fighting, right? So how do they see them? Do they see their shadow? I, I would say uh, they see their aura, or their aura. Yeah, that would make perfect Cause, sense because yeah. they're not they're not in tune with you and your deity. And if they're invisible, trying to sneak up on you, and they're of the same deity, why? Yeah. So that's that's almost not I'm not gonna say impossible, but improbable. So I would say their aura, you know, their intent on you is going to affect their aura. And that's yeah. what they're gonna see is the aura. Think about when um was that Obi Wan was uh, showing you know, after he was dead and he showed himself to Luke. That's how I envision it. Yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah. kinda of like a almost like a holographic image yep. or a ghostly image of, of someone or even um you know almost like uh you know predator's vision there when he's you know he, he's picking up the heat signatures but, scans. but only um a you know whatever whatever aura Silhouette. color you assign yeah. to yeah. certain intent you know malice you know maybe would be kind of like a a a pulsating black aura or a deep 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 red mm-hmm. or, you know, or something in the spectral zone where you see in all the yeah. spectral colors yeah yeah, so that makes perfect sense. And then there's a third one, uh, interception. I think they got this one off of the uh, shield master. When you create, when your creature you can see hits a target other than you within five feet of you with an attack, you can use your reaction to reduce the damage the target takes by one d10 plus your proficiency bonus to a minimum of zero. You must be wielding a shield or a simple or martial weapon to do so. So basically, you're 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 tapping them or interposing yourself between their weapon and, and the intended target to deflect it, whether it's the shield or a weapon or something like that. So that's that's very similar to one of the, the, 
the features in the Shield Master. Yeah, it's 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 cool too. It um, is because you know you're you're helping out with the next guy. It's yeah, it's that kind of heroic paladin type of thing. You know, just as maybe like a killing blow is about to be struck on one of your party members, you uh, intercept it. You know, deflecting it with your sword or shield or whatever whatever other weapon you may right. have. Or even just, you know, like a uh, gloved hand on the wrist of the, the, the wielder of the weapon, you know, to hold them in place. And that, that's where, uh, you know, a little bit of DM agency comes in because it's a 1d10 plus your proficiency bonus. So it might only be three points. And the weapon did eight. Okay, so it's, it, it's enough for a glancing blow. But if you rolled a 10 and you have a plus three or plus four, it's 13, and the weapon only did 11 points damage. It's when you, you jump in there, and it's the, you know, the, you know, the clashing of swords, and you're standing there staring at them, you know, not on my watch, and you, you, you deflect or stop all the damage, which means you've stopped the weapon. And that's where the DM you know, kind of gets in there and, and paints the scene for you, depending on how much damage gets through. So that, those are cool fighting styles. Yeah, it's the painting of the scene mm-hmm. that's really important, you know, between the DM and the player. Um, Harness divine power. At third level, you can expend a use of your channel divinity to fuel your spells. So as a bonus action, you touch your holy symbol, utter a prayer, and regain one expended spell slot, the level of which can be no higher than half your proficiency bonus, rounded up. The number of times you can use this feature is based on the level you've reached in this class. So third level once, seventh level twice, and 15th level thrice. You regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. So Again, that that, that's to, your ace in the hole. Yeah. Used all my abilities that you're at the end of the combat. You need that that one spell. Now, even in, let's face it, some low-level spells to, uh, creatively used can be very, very influential. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we... We've seen that numerous times mm-hmm. at, at our table from a particular person, not to mention any names, that's a producer. What? <laughs> <laughs> He's over there doing research to make sure we don't mess anything up without paying attention. <clears throat> so at fourth level, you have uh, martial versatility. And this is another one we've seen a, a few times. Whenever you reach a level in this class uh, that grants the ability score improvement feature, you can replace a fighting style you know with another fighting style available to paladins. This replacement represents a shift of focus in your martial practices. This I like. Yeah. We've said it in a few others, but I think this is actually because when you're starting off at first level, you're not sure which direction you're really going. And this can actually help enhance, not just enhance, but enhance the picture of your characters, not just your character itself. Well, this goes well, too, because it's at fourth level, but at third level, you're choosing your oath. So that's when you've decided which direction you're going to go, and the weapon you have for that first level may not be exactly what you want. You know, so, you know, you're, so you have a chance to, to change things up to a different fighting style to closely rep- closer represent what you've chosen for your oath. Yeah, and sometimes... The direction you want to go in with your character changes, you know, when you start actually playing your character. Oh, and, very often. And, very you, often. Know, you know, the table dynamic, too, is um, is important, you know, and, and sometimes that table dynamic drives people in, in different directions, so they should have the opportunity to switch it up and make those changes, uh, you know, for a better gaming experience. It's a It's a good... It's a good rule that they put in here. I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, you're not shoehorned in, into something, but come up with a reason, a reason why. I like your idea of the table dynamics. Uh, just from a DM to a, the players out there, don't 
don't cow to the antics of the table. If everyone's becoming mischievous and stuff like that, don't be a mischievous paladin. Be that moral compass. Decide to be that moral compass to try to keep the table, you know, in check. No, it's going to be a lot of work. It's you against a bunch of people at the table that are like, no, we, we're going to do this and we want to burn that and we want to kill the stable hand. And, you know, we, I'm, no particular, you know, examples being mentioned here. But, you know, you're going to be the one person that steps in and says, no, 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 that's not the way we need to do this. That's not the right thing to do. That's There are other ways. So if you're going to flow with the table dynamic, you know, nothing says you can't be a little contrary. Not massive. You don't want to be the, you know, the, the asshole that you know, we're not going to do this and I'm going to storm away if we do. And, you know, but try to be that moral compass. And I think that'd be a, a great challenge for this type of character. I agree with you because the paladin already in the past was that asshole. No, he was right. And that's uh, why I say, don't go that route. But you know, you, there's a, there's definitely that, a, yeah, he has a huge, that label on him already. Yeah. yeah he, there's definitely a huge gray area that you can play with. And, uh, and be, be, I think you should feel free to step into that gray area. Yeah, and it doesn't matter what, you know, what alignment that paladin is. No. Uh, you can still be a, a moral compass. You know, it's just which direction does the arrow point in. It yep. depends on your alignment. Um, so you can, you know, you can certainly be that that individual at the table who's like, no, 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 no. We, 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 we can't just burn the building down to get to the person we want. You know, we're going to go in and we're going to kill him in his sleep instead. Because there's other people sleeping in there. Yeah. And they have no reason to die. They have no problem killing him, but there's no reason to kill everyone else. So, yeah, Lou. play play that. <laughs> oh, nothing. It's not me. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's talk about sacred oaths. The fun part. Yeah. <sighs> Start us off. The oath of glory. Yeah. I like the way you say that. So when you take the oath of glory, they believe they're, they and your companions, right, are destined to achieve glory through deeds of heroism. So they train diligently and encourage their companions so they're all ready when destiny calls. The tenets of glory, action over words. Strive to be known by glorious deeds and not not words. Challenges are but tests, so you want to face that hardship with courage and encourage your allies to face them with you. Hone the body so, man, you're working out. You're picking things up. You're putting things down. Uh, and discipline the soul. You're marshalling the discipline to overcome failings within yourself that threaten to dim the glory of you and your friends. You know how I see this uh, very much so like the uh, the Klingons from from Star Trek. Not classic Star Trek and not the stupid shit they're putting out there now. Sorry, if you're a fan of this new Star Trek, I, I apologize, but it's rubbish. Um <laughs> But like you know that Star Trek: The Next Generation era, where they were they were very much so like like samurai warriors. Yeah, honor you know? and glory was everything. honor and glory. Yet yeah. die gloriously in battle. I I I see this paladin being one of those one of those type of individuals. You know, either from like this uh, very small group or, or monastery or, or whatever have you, or um, from a culture. Yes. Um, of you know holy warriors where it's like okay we get these we get these these individuals once in a while that the gods choose and there are are kind of they're the 
they're the, the 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 north on the compass point. They're the the role model, the the model that everyone's supposed to be striving to, and they know it. And they they're striving for perfection themselves because they realize that everyone sees them as the model that everyone is supposed to as be aspiring to. Yeah. So the, you have the pressure of that on you all the time, and I, I can't do anything wrong, or I, I if I do, I have to realize my failings. And I was just about to say, you know, I mean, do that. It sounds like they let this go to their head too. Sometimes a little, like my shit don't stink. Yeah, I or, am, or I'm above your station. Don't talk to me. You talk when I talk to you. Right. So I can see right. this going both ways. Yeah, yeah. and it and it, yeah, and very it much. could. You know, like you wouldn't understand. You know, you're, uh, you know, you're you. You're not learned. Yeah. I can't. You yeah. can't talk to me or whatever. You uh, you lack the honor, and 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 the glory that a true warrior does. You stand outside the radiance and the light that the God imposes upon me, and from your darkness you will never see the light that I see. And I and I see them very, very much so like that. They're like the pinnacles of glory and honor. Maybe it's a culture that that really, really respects glory and honor and deeds, but these are, you know, uh, the the examples that everybody the top uh, of the pyramid the- that that's right you know there's there's a you know they're the, they're the heroes of their legends and their folklore and you know these maybe there's like temples erected in their honor or statues of these 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 great heroes and you know children are being taught in school about the deeds of of these these great heroes you know it's like Kalis um you know from the the Klingon, Klingon oh, yeah, yeah. history you know he made the first batleth and united the Klingon people and was all around a badass. That's what they're aspiring to. They want their statue in the temple. Yeah, maybe there was well. that one guy or one gal who started this whole thing, you know, a big leader of their particular their culture that um, started all of this honor and glory and, and, and it kind of took off. So... Going back to what we we were talking about, U.S. agent before, it's like having Captain America be there and the U.S. agent trying to follow him. Yes, yeah, yeah. only sucking real hard. Yeah, like because he does because he, he can't live up to the name. He, yeah, he's a douche. Yep, but I'm just saying. You know, oh, that, give him time; he's learning. Oh, he gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like you know, Captain America was this guy right here. Yes, yeah. um, and U.S. agent, it's it's just trying to live up to the standards, but he really can't. So you know, he's failing on these tenets here. But that's how I see it after you described it that way. Excellent, par- excellent parallel. So then we move on to the oath spells. Uh, I like a bunch of these. Third level, you get Guiding Bolt and Heroism. Fifth, Enhanced Ability and Magic Weapon. Ninth, Haste and Protection from Energy. Thirteenth, Compulsion and Freedom of Movement. Seventeenth, Commune and Flame Strike. Yeah, pretty, pretty cool spell list that... Is very supportive of that whole uh, glory and oh yeah, you know yeah. honor and 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 kind of majesty in battle and you get all these little little tricks you can you can toss out. The, the only one I have, the only spell I really have a problem with this in this list is magic weapon because by the you know by the time they're fifth level, they may already have said magic item. Um, yeah, even in my world. Yeah, but. I it, I think you can cast magic weapon on somebody else's weapon. So you are once again enhancing your party. So if someone loses a weapon, I have to look the spell up, real, you know, quick. But I'm pretty I'm, sure I'm, re- I'm reading it now. Yeah. So yes, yeah, is when you 
You touch a magic, a non-magical weapon until the spell ends. That ma- that weapon becomes a magical weapon with a plus one bonus to attack rolls and damage rolls. And that only lasts for an hour. Yeah, but that um, yeah. takes. Do you want to waste a spell slot to do that? You do if one of your party members doesn't have one, and the foe you're up against can only be struck by magic. Right, but you're, you remember at fifth level, you only have X amount. So you, at least in my mind, you want to have something for healing, and something for your your defense. I, I get that, but. There is no defense and there is no healing if everyone goes down. Okay, I'll give you that. So if you can give this spell to a party member who does not have a magical weapon against a creature that that can only be affected by magic, now your offense is twice as effective. You're less likely to have anyone go down. The opponent goes down faster. But what other chances are you going to have the spell prepared? It depends. You know, what are the chances you're going to have any of these spells prepared? Right, exactly. Yep. These are just um, optional. But, uh, but if, you, if you know that you are one of the few in your party that has a magic item and you are going under the supposition that you're going against a power, the big bad yes. is very possibly, in fact, then you realign your spells the day before and off you go. Uh, you keep it, you know, in your, in your bag of tricks saying, all right, when we're ready to go, I, you know, as we go in, give me your weapon. There you go. Um, now we have one more effective yeah, combat. No, in that case, I, I totally see that, but it says, Every day, if you're just going through your dungeon or whatever, and you don't know what's out there, you know you're just holding up a spell slot now just to have that there, just in case. You can say that on any spell, uh, except for any of your healing spells, because you know those are going to be needed. This is true, but you can't. If that was the case, you'd be a cleric. God damn it, Bill! Let's go on with nothing but healing. He's not. He's a paladin. Yeah, right. And paladins do and remember this particular oath is the glory of everybody, not just me. I'm the shining, you know, tip of the spear, but I'm not the only piece of the spear. So someone's got to be the shaft. Yeah, there you go, Lou. You're the shaft. <laughs> damn it, you are a magical shaft. Get the shaft again. <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad I was help you help you along to understand yeah, just where that. But I hate when you're right. I I do enjoy the fact that there are somewhat across. You looked at everyone. One they are one of them's defense, one's offense. Yes. So you have a good mix there as well. So I'm I like that. So I like that list. Channel divinity. Channel divinity. Well, you get a you get two channel divinity options, right? Peerless athlete. So, as a bonus action, you can use your channel divinity to augment your athleticism, which is probably already pretty peak. Yep. Right. Um, for the next ten minutes, so you have advantage on strength, athletics, dexterity, acrobatics checks, and can carry, push, drag, and lift twice as much weight as normal. And the distance of your long and high jumps increases by ten feet. Kind of, kind of cool thematically, you know. When you, you you know you're you're pulling out all the stops, right? You're dragging dragging someone um, off the battlefield, um, pursuing a foe. Just advantage on all those ability checks is pretty big too. When you need to, you know, in your neck, yeah, that time of desperate need. Yeah, in ten minutes, that you know that's, that's the, a long that's time. That's the big combat. That's the you know the all out war yeah. where you go. Pell-mell, you're throwing everything into every action you do. Exactly, because you know, you're, we'll say even some of your long combats, they only last X amount of rounds, and it takes, what, 10 rounds just for um, a couple minutes to pass by because uh, every round is six seconds. Six seconds, yeah. So think about that's a long-ass battle if you're using it for yeah. that long. That's mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, that's that's an entire evening of gameplay in D&D combat. That's how long 10 minutes is in real life. Well, that that's the combat between Thanos and 
everybody exactly. else. Well, was, that yeah. is a massive all out, you know, no one's holding anything back at any time. I was just going to say that. Yeah. That's your end game. Yep. Yeah. Captain yep. America gets his ass handed to him by Thanos and then looks over and there's Thor's hammer and he rallies and, and starts shelling out an ass whooping. I get tingly just seeing that. My man, Captain America, <laughs> whooping ass with Thor's hammer. He's worthy. John Walker's not. This is true. Steve Rogers. He's worthy. <laughs> All right. Keep going there, buddy. Inspiring Smite. Uh, immediately after you deal damage to a creature with your Divine Smite feature, you can use your channel Divinity as a bonus action and distribute temporary hit points to creatures of your choice within 30 feet of you, which can include you. The total number of temporary hit points equals 2d8 plus your level in this class divided among the chosen creatures however you like. This is... Um, That's big. Watch me be a Watch me be a big old badass and be inspired... And no matter how roughed up you are, now you can you know you can fight on yeah, two points. But sometimes two points is all it takes to get keep you alive. Yeah, two points could be that that thing to uh, you know you, you finish off someone that was that was uh, you know about to take you out. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's big. It's and thematically, thematically it's it it's cool. You know if you use it right, uh, right yeah. even at third level. The minimum amount of hit points you're going to get back is five. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. And five hit points at third levels, uh, it's it's a meaningful chunk of it hit is. points. Even if it's not on yourself, it's it's anyone within, yeah, anyone within that, including you, that you can see. So you can see one of your party members is down. You know, and he's like, well, he's not going to last. He's much on his last knee. Yeah, he's on his knee, and there's his foe. He's still beat up, you know, above him. And, it, you know, you call a rallying cry to him, you know, get on your feet. This isn't over. Take him down. You know, that one moment where the foe looks over at you and uh, stands up, and, you know, here comes that, that one more blow that he needed. Yeah, as from, opposed- from the barbarian, you know, yep. you, once that barbarian tank goes down, shit can go south real quick. You know, you want to. <laughs> It's it's cool. I mean, it could have like it's it's an awesome opportunity to not only spotlight the paladin at the table, but all these other characters mm-hmm. um, who are are rallied and uh, you know dust themselves off and get back in the fight that they were they were close to losing. Um, it could be a it could be a really awesome moment for the players at the table. And like I said, it, it turns the spotlight, you know, from the paladin onto the character that you've just given the inspiring smite to, and now you know now the, the the lights on them. Yeah, and that's 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 the beauty of of social gaming like this that you just can't get anywhere else. Exactly right where where your awesomeness can affect another player character's awesomeness. You know, so it's that that shared experience where, um, you know, you get, I mean, it's awesome seeing it at the table where, you know, people are, people are pumped. Awesomeness cubed. Yeah. And they're, and they're, they're, they're cheering and, you know, they're talking about it after the gaming session. I mean, that's, that's, you hit the nail on the head when, when stuff like that happens Mm -hmm. and you can't get that anywhere else. You can't, you can't get it, can't get it online in, in an MMO. You just, it's it's what makes the game awesome. I think that's why I never got into MMOs. I tried them a, a few times, and it's like, eh. It's, I, 
I just didn't, I personally didn't see the, you know, the attraction. Yeah, it was beautiful. You know, oh, look at the graphics and stuff like that. And, oh, just look at all this stuff. And let me go to the inventory because I'm apparently carrying 3.2 tons of equipment. Um, and I can just pick whatever I want whenever I want. Uh, I'm like, eh. So, yeah, I just, but it's the, the personal interactions. And even yeah. in this day and age when you're doing it online, you can still see people's faces. Yep. And you're still talking to one another. You're reacting to their reactions, and, and it compounds from one to another. And that's 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 what attracted me and kept me in the game for decades and decades and decades. It just the, the one-on-one, the one-on-three, the one-on-four, you know, across the table with all the other people playing. So that was my inspiring smite. How about we talk about Aura of Alacrity? Let's, at seventh level, you emanate an aura that fills you and your companions with supernatural speed, allowing you to race across the battlefield in formation. Your walking speed is increased by 10 feet. In addition, if you aren't incapacitated, your walking speed of any ally who starts their turn within 5 feet of you is increased by 10 until the end of that turn. When you reach 18th level in this class, the range of the aura increases by 10 feet. Question. Is this always active? Because it doesn't say when you enable it or enact it. Yeah, um, I would say it, it probably is. Because that's why I'm sitting here reading this like two or three times, and it doesn't say, you know, you can only use this X amount of times. It only lasts for so long. There's none of that in here. True. So yeah, imagine I, imagine that at, like, what is it, 18th level? Oh, no, you get this at 7th level. You get it at 7th. Yeah, but at 18th level, you add another 10 feet. Yeah, exactly. So that's yeah, an so extra at, 20 feet. 20 and, feet within you. That's a 40-foot circumference. That's a 10-foot radius. Um, so that's, that's pretty, that's, that's 20 feet off to each side, front and back. That's a big formation. And I, I think as the game master, because it doesn't say like that, I would only allow this to be used, um, equal to the amount of your proficiency bonuses. I think I would, as a game master, make that call because otherwise it is active. And now you're, everyone's racing around in formation, plowing through. You're basically a cavalry without horses. Yeah. Because now you're already saying. At least in my the way I was thinking about this, I'm always having this extra speed movement, and anybody close to me is always having this. Like Bill said, right? Oh, and I only only gun because that's the only thing I was like. And I was reading, I was like, it doesn't say you can use it X amount of times. It sounds like it's always on. Yeah, and and I think it is, and I think that speaks to the level of athleticism that this particular like subclass has. But then when you look at the optional spell list. So you get that extra, say you have like 30 feet of movement already, you get that extra 10 feet, so now you're at 40, and then you cast a haste spell on yourself. So now you're cooking along at a pretty good uh, clip. Let's even go with your enhance ability on top of that and then do the haste spell on top of that. Yeah, so you're uh, you're moving. Yeah. I, and I think it's, I think what I think this is, is I think it's similar to that, to, to the monk um, movement increase. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, but I, to affect somebody else, I I still think because, and as Lou pointed out, there is there doesn't seem to be any any stipulations here. I I yeah. as a game master would allow it, maybe continuous for you the paladin, like you said, the you know at seventh level you get the extra ten feet, but to drag everyone else along with you, I would only allow that you know a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus until a long rest. Yeah, and and that you know you you turn that sort of thing on like okay we're you know we're the fellowship of 
of the ring and we're pursuing the the orcs that captured Mary and Pippin, you know, so you're you you know, you're inspiring your people. You're like that drill instructor running alongside the, you know, the cadets, you know, you're turning it on, that extra movement, you know, let's go, let's go, let's go. In in pursuit of like a, a foe or you know, whatever have you. I I think it I think it does make I think it makes makes sense, but then, you know, I mean at our table, um at our table during combat, it's like watching a bunch of toddlers on the playground, right? Because they're all over the place. You know, someone's <laughs> on the monkey bars when they should be on the basketball court. You know, it's it's sins on a teeter totter by himself and still yep. somehow managing to make it work. <laughs> yeah, nobody knows where Andrew is. Yeah, no, he's thirty five he feet he outside yeah, the playground because yeah. no one can see him. He's 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 walking around in the woods with a stick. Yeah, um, it's. So it wouldn't, I mean, that wouldn't be necessary at our table. They would fix that all on their own. You wouldn't have to use any DM agency on that. Course character standing in the middle with a stern look on it, on her face. You know, stop touching each other. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> glorious defense. Yeah. At 15th level, you get um, glorious defense. So you can turn defense into a sudden strike. When you or another creature you see within 10 feet of you is hit by an attack roll, you can use your reaction to grant a bonus to the target's AC against the attack, potentially causing it to miss. The bonus equals your charisma modifier, minimum of plus one. And your charisma should be pretty high if you're playing a paladin, so hopefully it's more than a plus one. If the attack misses, you can make one weapon attack against the attacker as part of this reaction, provided the attacker is within your weapon's range. And you can use this feature a number of times equal to your charisma modifier, minimum of once, and you gain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. You know, and that that fits in with the whole glory and glory and honor kind of that radiates off you. Yep. I want to make a redaction. I think instead on the the aura of aliquity, use your charisma modifier instead of your proficiency bonus. That would make more sense because you're inspiring the group to go with you. Yeah, yeah, it okay. would. Yep. Yeah, that, that would make would more sense. You know, after I read that, sense. I went, "Oh, that would make much more sense to put yeah. that on the aura of alacrity." And so, that, and that's where you know house ruling it comes in. That's where like uh, DMs, you don't have to abide by the letter of the rules, right? Right. Um, well, these aren't really rules; they're more guidelines. They're, yeah. Well, every rule in D and D is a guideline, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, to your point on the previous one, the aura. So well, it doesn't say. Oh, so I have this on all the time, and so does my entire party because it doesn't say it doesn't. Blah blah blah. blah. You know, it, it is it a typo? No. Is it left out on purpose, or was it left out by accident? But as the game master, I would not allow that to to fly as written, rules as written. So you'd be doing rules as interpreted and adding your own interpretation Abs- to it. Well, for me, that's every rule. Yeah. You you've seen me. I yeah. nothing ever. Stays and there's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Again, you know, um, when players and DMs you know come to these and see this. You know, they need to understand from both sides of what's being judged and what's being allowed and not allowed. So nobody's getting their feelings hurt because, you know, somebody pissed in their oats or something. (laughs) But that's a perfect that's a perfect example right there. And we just kind of stumbled into it um, where you have your rules as written versus, you know, your rules interpreted. And we just kind of just now stumbled into that. So Game Masters, read the book. And now we've read this a couple of times and it wasn't until now that any of us caught that. So, you know, eventually uh, if it's not you, it's going to be one of your party members and they're going to, they're going to pull it on you. 
It's gonna. It your your rules lawyers are gonna spot that because you know, they go through everything with a fine tooth comb. Yep. Your min maxers too. They'll 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 find this in a heartbeat and and get ready to deal with it. But yeah. that's when you make the the call. Well, nope. Charisma modifier. That's how many times you can use it on anybody else. And yes, you have the ten feet all the time. Go there. You go. Just like the monks. Great job. You're you're nice and whole and healthy. All right. So living legend. Here we go. You can empower yourself with the legends, whether true or exaggerated, of your great deeds. As a bonus action, you gain the following benefits for one minute. You are blessed with an otherworldly presence, gaining advantage on all charisma checks. Uh, Once on each of your turns, when you make a weapon attack and miss, you can cause that attack to hit instead. And if you fail a saving throw, you can use your reaction to re-roll it. You must use this new roll. And once this bonus action is used, you can't use it until you finish a long rest unless you expend a fifth level slot to use it again. Yeah, these are like legendary actions. Yeah. That's all yeah. you know, that's all they really are. This makes perfect sense for this care for this class. I like it. Yeah. I would I would uh I would ask that the player invoking this living legend ability um role play it. You know, all right. You you just like, hey, I'm the shit, and you're out there. No, 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 no. Let's let let's hear it. Let's We're, let's hear yep. you work yourself up. I am so and so, son of blah blah blah, uh, of the line of, you know, uh, yeah. Get a soapbox. I want I want to hear a full blown diatribe. Yeah, pump <laughs> pump yourself up before you go in there and 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 do your thing. And because no one's just like, yeah, I'm pretty epic. And then they draw their sword. No, 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 no. This is not. Yeah, this is role playing. RP the shit out of it. Yep. I want to hear. I want to hear how epic you are. You know, sell sell me sell me on that, and uh, do a good job because there might be some inspiration or a little extra XP for you. And mm-hmm. who doesn't want inspiration when they're about to go into a big battle? Yeah, that on right. That, if this isn't a battle, that one minute is a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. that yeah. yeah, that's huge. That's, That's actually huge. ten turns, six mm-hmm. seconds every every round, ten rounds for a turn. Yeah, that's that's a long time. That's a lot of. Yeah. Oh, you think I'm fucking missing you? No, you just got hit. Bam! That's ten of those automatically. Yeah. Well, that and it, it like you said, if they get up there on that soapbox and it is inspiring, the people you know, the players at the table are like clapping. It's like, damn, that was awesome. Okay, everyone that heard that. Free gets an inspiring smite, or just even just yeah. even or something like that. Yeah, even inspiration, just inspiration. In general. Yep. Just yeah. so they all have that advantage if they're all attacking or on whatever they want to use it for. For that, I would give it to them for that whole minute. Oh yeah. Well, I I instead of giving advantage for the whole minute, I think I would go with the inspiring smite. Give them the two d eight each individual. Okay. Two d eight extra bonus hit points because they're going into this kick ass battle. You're going to be taking extra damage. You know it. So if it was that inspirational, give them the inspiring smite. Give them the two d eight plus the you know the, the uh, charisma bonus, um, or the the level bonus, and for everybody, it was that good of a speech where not just one person, everyone is so inspired. It's like adrenaline's pumped, dopamine's are racing, you know, rampant through your system, and everyone gets those bonus, you know, those bonus uh, hit points. 
And that, that way they're a blade of it. It doesn't last like for a full minute. And, yeah. and that would make more sense. Otherwise, you could be create, you, you're going to create a group that's going to mow everything you have over if you give them advantage on everything. True. Yep. For a minute, that's, that's way too This powerful. is why you sit over there and I sit over here. Yeah, we know which one you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, say, this yeah, is why that, you guys, I, I've only DM'd a few times. This yeah. is why you guys are on that side because you guys DM'd <laughs> for a shit long time. But, yeah. but like I said, if, if someone 20th level gets up there and makes that kind of speech, a player makes that kind of speech, I would be more than happy to grant everyone that heard it, you know, every ally, the inspiring smite, because it would make sense to me as the game master. Right. Yeah. That or just you have, you have an inspiration. You know, use it however you see fit during mm-hmm. this, this entire battle. Um but I think the thing to always remember when you're playing a game like this is you're not playing Monopoly, right? So it's not just the rules you're going by. Okay, I'm moving, you know, this, this number of spaces. It's, it, it's, it's a role-playing game. So, yeah, you have the rules that are here in the book or these guidelines or however you want to describe them, but there's got to be that RP factor. Okay, yes, you have this ability, Show me how it looks. Show me how you're using it. Because it enriches the game when you do that. Well, hopefully by this time, you know, if you reach 20th level, you've been playing this character for at least a year. You should have yeah. grown into the RPing. You know, you, yeah. it, it should it should be now more natural than it was. And I'm only gonna I'm only gonna just reach on this for a minute. Uh, we were playing that virtual game Wednesday. Yeah. And we all known Andrew to not be the most RPing person. Well, Wednesday he blew the socks off my feet. Oh, he blew the socks off of everybody. <laughs> and I was like, "Holy shit!" But again, that comes with growth and age and yeah. time in the game. Experience, experience. yeah. You know, life yeah. life experience as it goes. Yeah, because when he first started with those years back, he was a shy, timid little guy. He was showing up here because you know Uncle Bill here uh, was you know, playing the game and he, want, and he needed someone outside his immediate family to kind of hang around with. So it's like, Oh, come on game with game with us. And he was kind of quiet. We had to drag him kicking and screaming into almost every encounter, which is why we pick on him for disappearing all the time. Cause a lot of times it just, because he did, didn't know what to do. And so he would take his character off the board. Well, I, I'm going to go over here. Why? Uh, Cause I'm going to go over there because he didn't know what to do in the combat or with the magic or something like that. So he would, he would remove himself, some you know, his player character, sometimes from the situation, and that would take the pressure off of him. And then we'd drag him kicking and screaming back. And we'd pick on him about 35 feet, um, and it wasn't even him that did it. It was Tom. The instant was we were a, uh, a group traveling down the road, and we wanted to get off the roads where we'd be hidden. And Tom says, well, I'm going to go 35 feet off the road. And he was playing a female character in white robes. That's right. And was lying amongst the ferns and the moss to sleep. But he was 35 feet off the road, so no one's going to see me here. And, of course, the guy on the cart immediately seen this woman in light-colored clothes in the dark vegetation sleeping 35 feet off the road. And it's like, really? You thought you were going to be? Well, I was 35 feet off the road. That's not very far. You know, so it was Tom that did that. But, you know, somehow it got attacked. Well, almost because Andrew liked to roam off. And all of a sudden, it got attached to Andrew. Well, we can't see Andrew. He's, he's 35 feet away. But it was Tom that did that initially. That's right. And that's started. how urban legends start. That's how urban legends start. Tom was the, was the one that 
decided 35 feet off the road was more than enough because it was five feet out of the area of effect of most spells. Right. And that's what our, our min-maxer thought, um, but was very easily seen, and the whole encounter ensued. And, but that's, you know, but that, it got somehow because Andrew kept roaming off. It's like, well, make sure you're 35 feet off the road so no one can see you or off the path. And then it got assigned to Andrew. So it's not it was something that he did. It was, it was that damn Tom. Exactly. It was that damn Tom. And we're so, sorry, Andrew. That's you it. were undeserving of that. But No, no, it, I wouldn't say that. It, <laughs> but still, coming back to where we yeah. were, you know, again, by the time you hit 20th level, you should have been, and I just use Andrew as a perfect example of that. He's grown into the RPing with his character. That should be you from level one to level 20. That's almost, I'm going to say. About a year. It should be about yeah. a year. You know, let's say nine months at the earliest, depending on how generous your DM is. But you should be, you know, on your character for about a year. And you should be able to role play the shit out of this level 20. By that time, by that time, you you should. You should have, yeah. you know, because now you're taking into account your personalities, all your tenants, everything. And you just. All the stuff you've done in game. Yeah, too. now you're just expounding all on it. And, you know, you're saying. These are my leg. I'm a legend. These are my legendary abilities, and I am now a living legend. And you're going to hear my my speech. Yep. Okay. Really quick. Other side of the coin. I don't know how many brand new groups I see. Let's start at fifteenth level because they want all the power and all the magic. Yeah. Poor idea. Really. It, very, yeah. I, and I, I see it all the time. I do read it in the forums. It's not. Um, I think a lot of people start at the lower levels. It's well. I'm usually going to you know the forums where more people are newer, but yes. That was one of the things, you know, my group is starting at level 12. How do we get them started? Uh, well, you should yeah. start at level one. Roll, so you have, roll yeah. up a first level character. Yeah, you should start at level one. Unless you guys are super experienced. Right. And you, everybody already has a very good understanding of the game. And, and just, character concept. Yeah, especially character, because now you need a whole backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this is only going to be a one month. one. It's a one month one shot. You know, we're just running, we're testing or playing this module or campaign for Halloween or whatever. That I can see. But you know, I like to start at the lower levels between one and three. You get to you get to know your character, right? There's a lot to learn when you you create a higher level character. Well, that that's com- that comes from the experience. And like I'm saying, I'm seeing a lot of well, I can, not a lot of I've seen oftenly new players start off at high levels because they want all the magic, they want all the power, they you know, they want to be that legendary character with no background on the character. Now they, they'll whip up a, a, a you know, a three paragraph background and, and I did this and I did that and you know, they'll they'll put a list of accolades together. That's not the same thing as actually building that character from the beginning. And that's why I said it's just the other side of the coin. So you can get at twentieth level a, a player that is going should be able to get up on that soapbox, and maybe they can, but not as often or as con, as convincing as someone who's built the character. Right, and yeah. that that's I'm just it's just a, a word of warning from game master to players. You know, just start at lower levels and build your character up, even if you start at third level or something like that, so you can get your oaths and. And you take your pathways and stuff like that. That's fine. If you have a good, solid character concept and you want to start there, that that's fine. But I I would advise against jumping to the high levels, yeah. especially with someone like too. this, because this is this is not only there's a character that has great thematic background, but has the the abilities and the stats to back it to be that legendary character, especially this particular subclass. 
Well, the, if you don't, do, if you if you just jump in into, we'll use our our old retrocon characters like either Gravin or Rumblebelly. I would have had no real attachment to the character, so there would have been no real care if I didn't start from level one where yeah. we did. Yes. And that's what made the characters who they are. I couldn't play them the way they were played if I just jumped in at whatever level they were. They would have been totally different characters. Very, yep. very, very true. You don't get you don't get uh, the growth of a character either when you start at, at a higher level like that um, because it's cool seeing, like, character growth, right? You, you like to see that in a, in a TV show. Or a movie, right? And you like to see that at the gaming table too, but you don't have that opportunity because you're almost at the finished product when you start a higher level character. But that is a topic that can fill an entire episode. It's already filled 20% of this one. Yeah. <laughs> so let's move on to the, the Oath, Oath of, of the, the Watchers. Watchers. Take it away. The Oath of the Watchers binds paladins to protect mortal realms from the predations of extraplanar creatures many of which can lay waste to mortal soldiers. Thus, the Watchers hone their minds, spirits, and bodies to the ultimate weapons against such threats. Paladins who follow the Watcher's Oath are ever vigilant in spotting influences of extraplanar forces, often establishing a network of spies and informants to gather information on suspected cults. To a Watcher, keeping a healthy suspicion and awareness about one's surrounding is as natural as wearing armor in battle. I... I really like this. I love these new, these new paladin subclasses. This one here, I the first time I kind of read through it, it's like eh, I don't know. But then I started kind of looking it over. This one speaks to me. And then I was like, you know, this is actually really kind of cool. It, it I makes think I like this one. It makes perfect sense because I I would see this as part of an existing religion but not something like unto its own self. Like they would be, um, you know, something employed by a church, much like an exorcist would be. I was about for, to say exactly the same you know, thing, the, yeah. you know, in the Vatican. Yep. Right. So you have these, you have these individuals that are, are probably top of their game that were hand selected and it's their job to keep, you know, the boogeymen from wreaking havoc in, in the mortal world. Mm-hmm. Right. So maybe they're a little creepy, you know, they're a little on the emo side. They, you know, they brood. Uh, maybe they, maybe they, maybe they drink a lot because they, they see some really, really bad stuff. And and, and you try to explain it to somebody else and they're like, sure. Yeah. Right. Little, or little too much incense there, buddy. Yeah. Or they, or you just you just can't because even when you try to explain it to people, it freaks them out, you know. And yeah, how do you how do you put a you know uh, how do you explain to somebody watching the soul of a fiend inhabit and then be exercised from the body of a small child or something like that? It's not something you could easily put into words. Yeah, it'd scare the shit out of people. Yeah. Um, even if you could find the words, so it's a lot easier to just keep it to yourself and have another bottle of wine. Yeah, these are these are kind of like just the the dark, spooky individuals that are part of the church. That uh, you know, when they when they walk by you on those rare occasions you see them, you know, people stop their conversation and just watch them. You know, maybe they're like scarred up, you know, pretty bad mm-hmm. um, from being involved in 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 these really ugly altercations with all sorts of just 
vile entities from all sorts of different places. There's burns and acid scars and you know, scratches and patterns that have been emblazoned on their their skin from some kind of offense or defense. So yeah, they they they'd be marked up pretty good. Yeah, it would it would uh it would be a cool character to play, and I could see them all like sitting around with each other because they they wouldn't they wouldn't hang out with other people because other people just couldn't understand. So they're all hanging out with one another. You know, like um, yeah, on the stairs outside, outside the gym, showing each <laughs> showing each other inside, yeah, <laughs> showing each other their uh, their scars and where they got them from. You know, like uh, like like Richard Dreyfus and um, uh, oh, what was his name? And oh, and uh, Jaws, and Jaws, yeah. yeah. Who's who's Quint? The Quint. Uh, uh, Robert Shaw, yes, yeah, showing off their their uh, marine biology scars. You know, oh, I got this from you know a demon. On the uh, ninth plane of hell, or oh yeah, well, uh, displacer beast got me right there. You see that scar? And, <laughs> yeah, this is from a succubus. Yeah, yeah put your belt back on. Yep. So. <laughs> <laughs> so the tenants, vigilance, right? The threats you face are cunning, powerful, and subversive. So be ever alert for corruption. Right? These guys have have their head on a swivel. Mm-hmm. Eyes you know, in the back always, of their head. Always looking yep. around. Always looking around. Loyalty, never accept gifts or favors from fiends or those who truck with them. So, yeah, that's a big, that, yeah, you know, uh, don't invite a vampire in and never accept gifts from a, uh, a, a fiend. There you go. Yeah, bad, uh, bad stuff can, can happen. Stay true to your order, your comrades, and your duty, especially, especially these people, right? Because the person that's got your back against these extra planar entities, you know, that's really the only person you could count on because most people would turn away and run. And run, yeah. Most sane people. So these these other nutty folks that you have with you, that's that's your family. They'll stand there and they'll die with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so loyalty, got to be huge. They've seen it. They've taken it. They understand it. Yep. Um, they may not know how to defeat it, which is why you're there, but they're, they're like, okay, I don't care what it takes, and, man, this, this shit's effed up. But I got your back. Yeah, and discipline. You are the shield against the endless terrors that lie beyond the stars. Discipline to not break ranks when you're fighting something that's ripping your your comrades to shreds and just, you know, standing your ground and, and getting in the fight. You know, yep. huge, huge factor in that. And then we get spells, right? Got to have the spells. So at third level, your watchers get. Alarm and detect magic. At fifth, moonbeam and see invisibility. Cool ones. I like moonbeam. Moonbeam is cool. Ninth, counterspell and non-detection. Thirteenth, aura of purity and banishment. Seventeenth, hold monster and scrying. Nice selection. Nice selection. I like this. Hold monster. I love hold monster. Banishment's pretty cool. So, and... I think scry. Well, I have looked up scrying. I think they maybe changed that one. I haven't looked it up in fifth ed. Yeah, it's probably changed. Yeah, uh, I'll read it for you real quick. It yeah. says you can, you can see and hear a particular creature you choose that is on the same plane of existence as you. The target must make a wisdom saving throw, which is modified by how well you know the the target and the sort of uh, physical connection you have to it. If a target knows you're casting the spell. It can fail the saving throw voluntary if it wants to be observed. And then there's some modifiers. It's a secondhand knowledge. You have heard of the target. You get a plus five modifier. 
firsthand, you have met the target at zero, and you are familiar. Uh, you know the target well, and it gets a, a minus five on its uh, save and throw modifier. Now, see, that could be cool when you have your paladin and the big bad, and they've clashed time and time again yeah. and peeled off, and then at one point you just stop and you stare off into nothing because you know you're being scried by, by this demon. And you in turn scry back, and now you're you're not having a conversation, but you can see them, and they can see you, and it's just a stare down, an extra planar stare down, and everyone's like, "What's going?" On? And they can see in your eyes maybe a reflection of the demon, even though the demon's not in front of you. You're staring at, it, and in your eyes, they can see a reflection of the demon, and vice versa. And you know, it's just one of those, you know, look like I'm coming for you, I'm waiting for you. See what Bill just described there, because I think that I think of this character as a a cosmic character, and the way Bill just described that, it made it all fit together for me. Oh, I'm glad I did that for yeah. you. But that's how I I you know that's crying. You you describe that across the table for your party, you know, and now the paladin may be speaking to the demon. He realizes he can't hear him, right? Yep, and vice versa. But they've they've encountered each other so often. That they know what the other one's saying just by the facial expressions or, you know, just the mouthing, I'm coming for you. And, you know, and it doesn't matter which one's saying it. And the other one goes, I'm waiting for you. And this this would be a really cool character to dip into Warlock with. Oh, yeah. You know, and... um because what if that uh, what if that extra planar entity that you're you're staring off into space at is you know your patron and you're trying to uh, there's the ultimate love hate relationship yeah. or or the um, opponent of your entity I would say that because I know yeah because how, how how would that really fit if yeah because if, if he's your patron entity you know all he's gonna do is just stop giving you favors. And you're basically powerless. But if this is someone who's in a power play trying to depose your your patron entity, you need to stop them to not only help you help your patron, as well as everyone else that follows that patron. That patron goes down. There's not just you losing your abilities. It's everyone that that patron supports. So now that you may actually be sent off by your patron to hunt down this other entity that is in direct opposition with yours. So I could see that as a very easy plot point. And they know, like I said, at this point, they know you're coming. Or even if they don't. I mean, it's, you're, this is third level when you start getting these spells. We're talking about 17th at scrying, but even, you know, you can work your way up to that point. Now you're running into bigger and bigger and badder and badder as you, as you gain in power. So do your, your uh, opponents. So let's move on to Channel Divinity. You get Watcher's Will. You can use your Channel Divinity to invest your presence with the warding power of your faith. As an action, you can choose a number of creatures you can see within 30 feet of you up to a number equal to your charisma modifier, minimum of one. For one minute, you and the chosen creature have advantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws. That's pretty good. That's not bad. Abjure, the extra planar, you can use your channel divinity to castigate unworldly beings. As an action, you present your holy symbol 
and each aberration, celestial elemental, fey, or fiend within 30 feet of you that can hear you must make a wisdom saving throw. On that failed save, the creature is turned for one minute or until it takes damage. A uh, turned creature must spend its turns trying to move as far away from you as it can, and it can't willingly end its move in a space within 30 feet of you. For its action, it can only use the dash action to try to escape from an effect that prevents it from moving. If there's nowhere to move, the creature can take the dodge action. It's very much like that old... Um, old turn undead. Turn undead that clerics used to have back Back in the old days, mm-hmm. and I think paladins had that ability they too did. in yep. the early days of D anD. d Yeah, at slightly high, oh, li- higher levels. I think they had to be three, four. I mean, I have to look it up. Three, four levels higher than yeah. the cleric, but you did get that ability. Oh, and it fits with the class. It does, or the the uh, subclass very well, um, and you know, thematically, it's pretty cool holding your 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 symbol in front of you and calling upon the power of your deity and and sending the uh um sending the, the the fiends or whatever have you running in the opposite direction it's very much like uh like the exorcist mm-hmm. you know send me a young paladin and an old paladin and uh <laughs> you know turning the demons out of uh the hell was her name something blair linda blair linda blair yeah the pea soup fountain Okay, so Aura of the Sentinel, 7th level. Uh, you emit an Aura of Alertness while you aren't incapacitated. When you and any creature of your choice within 10 feet of you roll initiative, you all gain a bonus to initiative equal to your proficiency bonus. At 18th level, the range of this Aura increases to 30 feet. That's not too bad on initiatives. No, I mean, by se- you know, seven level, I mean, you're looking at a minimum 3. You roll something mediocre in the 4-5 range, now you're... You, you're looking at seven, eight. You roll anything higher than that, and everyone, you know, everyone has a really nice high initiative. And at fifteenth level, you get vigilant rebuke. You've learned how to chastise anyone who dares wield beguilements against you and your wards. Whenever you or a creature you can see within thirty feet of you succeeds on an intelligence, wisdom, or charisma saving throw, you can use your reaction to deal two d eight plus your charisma modifier force damage to the creature. That forced the saving throw. That's another one that you can get up there and, and soapbox real, f- have a lot of Boy, fun because with. Because there's, no, um, there's no unlimited use to this, or yeah. there's no limited use to this. Uh, again, say. yeah, yeah. Yeah. But and at that, 15th level, and unlike I, the other one yeah. at seven, at 15th level, I could see this being constant, persistent. But yeah, absolutely. You got you to gotta RP it. Yeah. Or it's just not going to work. And that's one of those one of those table rules I would say, listen, if you're not RPing it, that, that ain't working. Mm-hmm. You need to I wanna see. Yeah, when you, you, when know, you and I wanna hear that vigilant rebuke. Yeah, you can't just run, look at the bag going, Is that all you got, bitch? Yeah. Yeah, that no, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your mama. No, 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 no. <laughs> you need to you, you need I wanna hear it. And so does everybody else mm-hmm. for it to work. You're you're not insulting him, you're chastising. Yeah. Chastise away. Yeah. And uh, if if you don't know how to do that, you haven't been paying attention to your mom <laughs> growing up. Because moms, moms are the absolute queens of the chastisement. If you've ever gotten in trouble at moms school. Moms and or grandmoms. And or grandma, grandmoms, yeah. They're like. That's when they pull the disappointment card. Oh, yeah. I'm not really mad at you. 
I'm just very disappointed that you thought that was something that would be fine to do. And when all else fails, pull the disappointment card on the Fae or the Fiend and, yep. uh, you know, let them have it because it'll work on them too. <laughs> Might as well. And then Mortal Bulwark, uh, 20th level. You manifest a spark of divine power in defense of mortal realms. As a bonus action, you gain the following benefits for one minute. You gain true sight with a range of 120 feet. That's impressive. You have advantage on attack rolls against aberrations, celestials, elementals, phase, and fiends. When you hit a creature with an attack roll and deal damage to it, you can also force it to make a charisma saving throw against your spell save DC. On a failed seed, the creature is magically banished to its native plane of existence if it's currently not there already. On a successful save, the creature can't be banished for this feature for 24 hours. Once you use this action, you can't use it again for a long rest unless you burn a 5th level spell slot. That's cool, just hitting it with a sword once and banishing it. And this ability is why I would not multi-class. True. That's a nice capstone ability that you would lose. Yeah, I mean, I... I'm more of a purist. I really don't multi-class or, you know, dip into my toes into other classes. And it's really because I like the capstones. Um, yeah. Well, in most cases. There's been, we've been disappointed by a few capstones. Yeah. As we've gone. This one, this one definitely fits. That's a fits. nice one. Yeah. This one fits. Yep. Um, I, I, with If you're playing this character, I would highly disregard any... Um, Dipping your toes into other classes. Yeah, dude. Stay away from the attempts of multi-classing. Yeah. No matter what you think that other class is going to give you, this capstone is definitely going to be worth it. Unless you can absolutely make whatever other class you're dipping into part of fit your story or background, for any class, I'd say, unless you're just power gaming, stay away from that. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm more of the purist. I really don't, like I said, go into other classes. If I play a class, it's usually that and all the way through. Um, and for that very reason, because a lot of a lot of times it doesn't make sense to to multi class or even pick up another class. Where you, how you know which, where's your time to to learn all this new build uh, abilities and skills? Um, yeah, unless you're just throwing it together just for ha ha. I, I, I don't believe in that. But going back to Mortal Bulwark, this is the reason why not to do uh, go into that. So it is. It's a fine capstone, a very very good one, and not unfortunately like not all. Not all the other subclasses have had such. No, there's been some letdowns. Yeah, there's been yeah. some. There's there's been a few letdowns. This is this is certainly not one of them. And, no. and you got to remember that even though it's a minute, that's actually a long time when you're in battle. Yeah, that's actually, you know, ten rounds. Ten rounds. Well, I think both the capstones when you did the you know the uh, the other oath with the living legend. Yep. That one as well is it's a very good very one. very well developed for a yeah. capstone. Yeah. So I think they did an excellent job did, on yeah. both of these like i said i read this the second one through once and i went well that's eh, that's kind of you know eh, i'm not too sure then i read through it and I, I took my time and went through it. i was like wow this is actually really cool it is i like you know because you can have your stand up front captain america paladin and then there's this guy you know five steps back and to the far left of the group just as powerful as that guy out front just as powerful, but he's he's the watchdog. He's watching the flanks, and you have your your paladin up there in the front. You know, come on, come on, I dare you all, and and all the the mortal creatures are going to be charging him. But then you have these these spiritual creatures that 
you know, are going to come in from behind and from the flanks thinking they're going to surprise the party. And lo and behold, here's your watcher sitting there going, I see you. Yep. So those two added together, you know, I think we, we, we were discussing this before where this would be uh, like a brother, sister yes. or, or yeah. twins, twins or something like that, where, you know, if you get two players that play very well off of one another, you give them a pair of these paladins. Yeah, you have the light side and the dark yep. side. Yep. You know there. Yep. And, and even though you know, even with both of these capstones, they get to use them at minimum or, or at, on average, you can use it twice as long as your fifth level spell slot is available. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this because these are game changing. If you really think about it, yeah, they they could. They're game saving. Game saving. Yeah, this is when you know you're up against armies and not a big bad, but a group of big bads. This is you know. your end game. This is your end game. And yeah. you, these two side by side would be awesomely formidable. Yep. So this is when you throw a dragon at them, especially one that plays in the border of Theral. And then, you know, because, all right, I'm going to step in the prime material and there's one paladin out front saying, oh, is that what you have? All right. And then it thinks it's going to bypass that paladin and there's another one waiting for him in the wings. So, yeah, I, I really like the idea, and I would love to play either of these, you know, this as, is my favorite. as a tag team. Yeah, I mean, I'm not really a big Paladin player, but if I would, it'd be the Oath of the Watchers. It's a, yeah, you know, it's a, I think I'm more inclined to, to play the Oath of the Watchers myself. I have a tendency, I don't know if you've noticed, to have a slightly dark personality at times. But but I but I but I know Scott will jump on that oath of glory. Oh yeah, oh all day long he will he will channel his inner Captain America, and he is going to bring his gilded soapbox to stand on. My moment has come. That's it. After all these years, (laughs) my moment has come. See, I played Paladins way in the beginning, and I had fun with it. I did because I would be the. They stand up front. No, we can't do that. But I would justify it and I would give them alternatives, not just, you can't do that because it's bad. What else are we going to do? I don't care, but you can't do that because it's bad. You can't just kill them. You know, and, and just just keep saying the same point over and over and over because you didn't how you didn't know how to get a point across. You didn't know have other options. Well, and where, where, so, I, where I did. And I, so and, people understand, Bill's talking where there was only one Alignment, which was lawful good for a Yeah, paladin. lawful good for a You had nothing else. And if you did anything else, you lost your abilities. And then it's a whole quest to get them back. So I, I, I did play and enjoyed playing the Paladins. It was difficult. Don't get me wrong. I it tried was it. tough. Didn't last long. Um, I, <laughs> I, I got one up to about ninth or 10th level. I think I and, made it close to second level. <laughs> <laughs> and he started with 1,200 experience points. <laughs> Uh, no, but in all seriousness, yeah, the Paladin, it just was never my cup of tea. I That's a specialty player. Yeah, I liked the Paladin back in the old days, but you were you were really, really hemmed in. You It, it, wasn't, it wasn't a class for, like, a new player. No. It was no. a very poor choice yep. for a new player. For, for someone a little more experienced, you could, you can work within the lawful good alignment. This is your challenge class. This yeah. is challenge yeah. you to play the game the way it was written back then. Yep. yep. Yeah, and it wasn't always easy. No, because it all depended on what your party was made up to. Because if we just joined together and we had to, everybody said make characters, and Scott said, oh, I'm going to play a paladin. Scott has no idea that there's probably a rogue with him, which wasn't a good idea to be with. 
There could be a caster that had some necromancy abilities, which is definitely not a good idea to be with. And he could have been with a chaotic neutral uh, other character. And that's just against everything that the lawful goodness stands for because it could go anyway. Yeah. Yep. So you really had to talk with your party. Guys, can we just play a lawful good or a good campaign? And everybody's like, but that's not fun. (laughs) (laughs) And, And the scary part is early on, that's it. You know, yeah. hack and slash was everything. Yeah. We want to kill everything. Yep. No matter what it is, just kill it. Well, because back then you got experience for everything. Yeah, experience for everything you killed. And then you got the experience for the treasure that they had. Yep. And so, yeah, it, it you didn't get it. You didn't talk the hill giant down, you know, from leaving the, you know, the village away. No, don't beat up the village, please. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll go somewhere else. I'll just go eat, you know, sheep out of the mountainside. Yay. We got experience points. Nope. You gotta kill him. Yep, gotta kill him. Take his stuff, and there you go. And there you go. And that's a look at the optional class features for the paladin. See you next week in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo, or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you, and have a good day.